Boom. Speaking of guns, Drew works out. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Rock Metal Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, and on my left-hand side is my right-hand man, Gabriel. We have the Quidoscope, which is in the 11th hour of this month. That's right. And today on the Rock Metal Podcast, we have The Stranger, who has a new album, sophomore release, called Kaleidoscope, which released on April 21st via Octane Records. Right now, I'm being joined by, joined by Drew. I'm going to say joined by Drew. Joined <laughs> by Drew. He's got a head start on me. He's, he's, he's the early bird here. He's up earlier than I am right now in this moment. Oh, really? It's 6.30 in the morning on a Tuesday where he is. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're actually in MST, so it's one thirty nine for us. Mm-hmm. That's a nice time. It is a nice the time. Eliavo is nice. Yeah. 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 So Drew's here to share some more information about the the tracks that have been released, this uh, release that's coming up, this sophomore uh, album. So, Drew, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Great to have you on, baby. Now, um... For some strange reason, I don't know why, but I was just listening back to the tracks now, and I was like, oh, cool, I really like this band, which I know is kind of funny. Obviously, if I've invited you on the show, I should like your stuff. Um, but the last few bands I've chatted with from the Australia-New Zealand area are all, like, super angry, we're mad at our dad's metalcore type stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, unfortunately, I was like, oh, a band from Australia, I bet, it's, I bet they're mad at their dad. And <laughs> you guys don't seem mad at your dad, so... You know, cool. No, no, we. I, I'm pretty sure for the most part, all of us have great relationships with our dads. So no one's mad. You know, we're we're happy with our dads. That's what brings out different vibes. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of bringing out different vibes, looking through that kaleidoscope lens, we're bringing out those different vibes, baby. Talk to us about kaleidoscope. Talk to us about the track and the album. Did the album name come first? Did the track name come first? What is it about? The- the track name came first, um, definitely. We actually, I think there was a little bit of a struggle for a while as to what we would actually call the album because we didn't want to call it Stranger 2 because that seemed a little too easy. But we wanted something that was one word and simple and sort of summed it up. Um, and that song came a little later in the process and we felt that that was really good. Um, the song itself is a bit of a sum up of our vocalist Tom's, um, the paradigm shift in his life kind of thing. You can look really deep into the lyrics and find a lot of his emotional side coming out, which is awesome that we have a song that's that personal now um, and can be so directly relatable without it being sort of fantastical and uh, based in either sci-fi or fantasy, as much as we love that kind of stuff. Um, and then that kind of just became the tone for the entire album is that everything just happened to fit in this paradigm shift, shift of colors, kaleidoscope, you know, geometrical shapes looking cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm flipping through the video, the lyric video, because I was going to check to see if the lyrics were there, but they're not. Uh, but it is a lyric video. So as long as I have patience, I can I can watch it. And yeah. The, the first one, three minutes and 20 seconds in, is I'm faced with the word enemy, but in blue letters. So it kind of, you know, coils it's, me back a little bit. Is it like a blue enemy? Blue enemy. So 
maybe it's a calming enemy. It's the enemy inside yes. that you need to make peace with. Exactly. Now, I guess if you can, if you know, can you take us through what kind of a paradigm shift this is, especially since the, I'm, the first thing I see is the word enemy. What kind of a paradigm shift? Ooh, um, I'll, I'll end up paraphrasing a large chunk of Tom's life, but that's fine because we can do that because he's just not here. So, and I'm the one calling the shots now, yeah. baby. Yeah, <laughs> makes make sense. <laughs> um, so I, from everything that he's told us to do with the writing process and lyrics and all that kind of stuff and what it ended up being uh, summed up at the end is this analogy of uh, going from a gray state to these beautiful colors and developing as a person mm-hmm. um, and not being so stuck in one place thinking about how maybe you haven't achieved enough or in your mind what you think is not achieving enough or not doing enough with your life. And you spend so much time sitting there thinking about that, that you never actually bloom into the next version of yourself. There is no paradigm shift. You're just constantly in this state of thinking, oh, I'm not achieving enough. I'm not doing enough. And then you never go anywhere and you have to kind of break through that. Um, definitely watch the lyric video mm-hmm. because he, he sums it up much more poetically in his own words. Is- and the song itself is uh, is one of the more beautiful tracks on the album. Definitely. Okay. There's a couple of things that you mentioned. One was that this is, is it the only personal uh, track or one of the first personal tracks? Some, you mentioned something about, about that. Yeah. I, I think uh, out of the first album and this album, it's the only one that's, uh, this direct. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very much first person. It's very much talking about emotions with the analogy of color and rainbow and a kaleidoscope and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's still very, very personal and very direct. Whereas every other song in our discography, it, it could be very personal, but it comes in this veil of uh, fantastical ideas or sci-fi or um I think the only song that isn't a fantastical veil is a song off our first album called The Whip, which is just about Robocop. Oh. It was just a fun time. <laughs> well, that, was, that movie was fantastic. It was. It is. <laughs> it is. It currently still is fantastic. Wait, what? Yeah. What movie? Uh, uh, Robocop. I don't know that I would be okay with you watching that movie, but I did watch it when I was about your age. Ah. Yeah. Maybe Later I'll... down the track, you got to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, another cool thing, speaking of Gabe's the Babes here, is he actually didn't know what a kaleidoscope was until he was sitting with me and we were listening to the song. And cool. yeah, I said, let's invite these guys on. And he said, well, what's the kaleidoscope? So we did some research. So actually, thanks to the stranger, Gabriel over here now knows what a kaleidoscope is. Awesome. Well, I forgot what it means, but... No. The lyric video actually goes through kaleidoscoping stuff, so I'll play it, and this is kind of what a kaleidoscope... Oh, the pattern, the patterns! Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
And I will fade out in gray. Actually, that's probably not how the song goes. I can't hear it. I'm just watching the. <laughs> I have to burn out brightly. I am not the end. Yeah, we can't hear it because we don't want to interrupt you. I, I don't know why I'm trying to do it like a funk trio. Like, <laughs> I am to announce that you're featured on our uh, remix EP. Beautiful. Sweet. <laughs> Get some get some slap bass going in there. It'll end up sounding like I don't know, like Mudvayne's first album. Just like these little <laughs> little pokes coming back. Yeah, <laughs> ding. Like whoa. Uh, I was listening to that album the other day actually, and I was like, man, we have technology to fix that problem now. But like at the time, yeah. we, we, <laughs> we didn't know that was a problem back then. That was hilarious. Uh, it just wouldn't be the same though. It wouldn't be the Berber dang meme that it is. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> Cool. Now, you also mentioned that this Kaleidoscope came along a little bit later. So take us through the writing process for this album. Is it just like an ongoing thing? Or is it something you guys sat down to do and wrote, you know, 30 songs? Um, Was the motif for the album or the style for the album already established by the time Kaleidoscope came along? Um, Maybe by the time Kaleidoscope came along. um, I'd say as far as the timeline goes, I think the... It was established that we were creating an album. Uh, We had enough tracks at that point to say, like, it has its own sound now. This this is actually going to be a thing. We're not just writing music for the sake of writing music. We've we by that point we had, I'd say, more than a handful of songs that we were like, yep. Even if these specifically don't make the album, like we're going for a thing now. There is a pattern here of of. there's a consistency of the sound that we're going for. Um, a little more synth on this album than the last album, which was directly influenced by um, a couple of movies at the time, but definitely cyberpunk. Cyberpunk played a, a good influence on that. And there was a little bit of an 80s resurgence uh, a couple of years ago that kind of influenced us there as well. Um, and also bands like uh, The Midnight, had a massive, massive influence on us really early on in the writing process. Um, and then we wrote a song that sounded just like The Midnight and we were like, oh, okay, we, <laughs> we'll just put that to the side for the moment and we'll write our own music now. <laughs> um, and then came out with this album. So 11th Hour, right from the start, which is the opening track uh, for our new album, it sets the tone really well. And I think that song was written fairly early on in the process with that in mind, that we wanted an an opening track um, that set a mood and had a really big build-up. Just going back to the vibe. Vibe, The vibe set. it, it, It set up that first track and it set up this ambience and then it hits really hard. And that became the perfect introduction and sort of the mood setter for the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, every song, I'd say, is completely different from each other, but also happens to fit into that same mood and vibe and ambience. Oh, I gotta go back oh. to school. Okay, thanks for joining, kiddo. Okay. See you later. Still fits within the same paradigm, you could say. Uh, yes. Was RoboCop at all influenced? Like, did you mute RoboCop and say, if we could rewrite the soundtrack <laughs> to RoboCop, it would be, and then boom, 11th Hour comes out. Potentially. I mean, like the, the, um, 
the period of time that the original came out kind of fits into that, right? <laughs> I don't think we really thought about it, but um, because we'd kind of done it on the first album, Robocop hasn't come up again, but for sure. It fits in the set really well now. <laughs> we, the, A lot of our songs from the first album have morphed a little bit in the live setting because, you know, you just change small things here and there to keep mm-hmm. it fun and interesting and you realise things that you can change to suit the live environment over the studio. So our live set now opens with 11th Hour, of course. Of course. And then the second song is The Whip, the Robocop song, and it has a sound bite from Robocop saying, dead or alive, you're coming with me. And then we blast into, you know, all the riffage. Yeah. Yeah. Stack, 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 stack. I'm curious when something you mentioned was kind of changing some of the songs a little bit to fit better into the live format. So can you take us through that? What does that mean? Uh, and do you guys write differently now as a result of that? Oh, that's a really good question. Actually. I think without, without it being like a box to tick when we write a song or when we write a new song, without it being sort of that specific that we finish writing it and go, does this fit in a live setting? Yes, tick, done. It's not that strict, but um, there's definitely an ebb and flow of energy that we, we know with some songs the studio format might not work as well in the live setting or maybe vice versa. So, and the first album was a really good example of that. <clears throat> Everything works in the live setting, but, uh, okay. So a great example was after the first album, we were like, we love what we did. We have a lot of proggy songs that are like eight, nine minutes, you know, <laughs> 12, somewhere around there. But in the live setting, that cuts a considerable chunk of time out of a set list. Mm-hmm. And in the early days, I think we were playing like three songs in a set list because they were just so long. Yeah. Um, and that was something we realized that it, the songs were great and we did serve the song. But at the end of the day, we want to fit a lot more into our live setting. So it was a conscious effort for this album to make sure that everything was a little more straight ahead, a little more compact without sacrificing any of the songwriting styles that we love. But, you know, maybe we only go for like the three minute instrumental funk interlude once on this album. (laughs) (laughs) Make it a track you can skip on the CD player if I wanted to. Uh, (laughs) You bring up a really good point, though. And I'm almost kind of giggling about like, you know, prog metal bands and and uh half hour sets for prog metal bands and whatnot but so many jokes come to mind the one seven string guitar player back when seven string was kind of like a new thing yep you know the one seven string guitar player showing up for his gig with his backing tracks and it took so long to set up the whole thing that he (laughs) ate up his whole half hour time yeah Uh, (laughs) but now it's like the cool thing to have like you know a 17 string guitar and a 22 minute single so Thing life yeah. life itself is kind of changing, but the reality of a half hour set is still there. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking back, like, hey, even Dream Theater had "Pull Me Under," you know, even Dream Theater had, you know, their their three minute single that I guess they would have in their earlier days. Well, big bands still sometimes have half hour sets, depends on where they're at. Um, yeah, you know, 
but that's that's a unique thing to bring up because I think these tracks, Kaleidoscope and Eleventh Hour, yeah, I mean for a prog band, five minutes is like thirty seconds to Justin Bieber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, maybe even a little frowned upon. You know, where's yeah. our 20, 30 minute epic with yeah. seven parts? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and you bring up that's that's another good point. Even the classic ones, like I'm thinking about Rush, twenty one twelve from Rush, was technically yep. one big thirty minute song, but it was broken yeah, yeah. up. Yep. Into like five so minutes. The first album definitely fit more into into that realm. There was a an overarching concept across most of the tracks. They were a lot longer. Um, in some ways they were more thematic in some ways they're less than this album, but yeah, when it, when it came time about that point that I was talking about before, where we had enough tracks to say, yep, this is definitely going to be a thing. You know, the, the mood is set. We've got a sound now we'll keep rolling with this and we'll make an album. Uh, none of the songs were particularly long at that point. And we did really make a con- conscious effort to have more, uh, it sounds dirty to say, but radio friendly songs. Um, yeah. Even though like, what's the radio nowadays? There's, there's no way we're going to get onto our local <laughs> pop station. You know, we're going to get onto radio stations like yours. Exactly. This is true. This is very, very true. Uh, cool. So one of my questions was going to be sophomore album. What did you guys want to do differently this time around? But I think we've actually spent quite a bit of time chatting about, you know, what was, what was different, um, going from, was it freshman? Yeah. Freshman to sophomore. And then (laughs) next you'll move on to junior and then you move on to senior. And then, and then I don't know what happens after that. That's when we become washed up and we do things like celebrity dancing shows and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Dancing with the stars, <laughs> Australia. That's it. Yep. <laughs> Andrew Taylor. People are like, I think I remember him. And then I start arguing about like what movie you were in, which never happened and all these other things. Yeah. And yeah. Hmm. Cool. Okay. So we chatted about Kaleidoscope. We chatted about 11th hour, chatted about Robocop, paradigm shifts, 80s synth wave. Uh, what else did we chat about? Chat about the album as a whole. And is there anything that we missed that you wanted to chat about? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I think it's, it's a good summary. Um, the album comes out April 9th, actually. Oh, I think you got the 21st. Yeah, I did. So you get even earlier. That's even better. I know. Unless because I'm in North America, I get it later. Uh, I think it's available everywhere on the 9th. Okay. All right. I'm fairly sure. I've I'll cha- double check. Okay. I've changed Wait, it from my, changed it from my notes. Awesome. Um, April 9th for the album. 11th hours come out with a, a ridiculous film clip, Kaleidoscope. We have that awesome lyric video. And uh, two days ago, our Sunday, we just shot a video for uh, our next single, Gemini, which... I don't think it's been announced, but by the time this comes out, the the video will probably be live and, and absolutely ripping. And uh, if 11th Hour was like the moody, theatrical, Snyder Cut kind of thing, then this one is the 
totally different direction Kylie Minogue clip. Mm-hmm. Lots of colourful lights. <laughs> what is that song? I shouldn't hum it, though, because then YouTube will flag me and say that I'm stealing their song. Uh, but that song that was really big of hers in like the year 2000 and the music video, she's driving on that road. Oh yeah. She's probably uh, driving in every music video now that I think about it. But. Probably. Yeah. It's like a weird flex. Oh wow. Kylie Minogue can drive. Mm-hmm. Look everybody. <laughs> even, even Kylie Minogue drives. Yeah. This yeah, music video it, is freaking me out, man. I got to stop watching this music video. There's like somebody in a chair that keeps wigging out and doing things and, <laughs> That's uh surprisingly enough, that's our lead singer Tom. Oh. So yeah. after our first day of shooting the video clip where we did all the the band performance shots, where we looked all mean and angry and right. black and you know, moody lights, the second day uh we set up in the same studio with a big pile of dirt on the ground and uh the two two different thrones as we called them, and Tom dressed up as the the two different characters representing uh, kind of like a mother nature versus industry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's all our, our boy Tom getting dirty and weird and sparks flying and all that kind of random stuff. He's going through a paradigm shift on camera for us. <laughs> he is. He is. Tom personally is going through a huge paradigm shift. <laughs> Beautiful. Where are you at in this video? I'm trying to find you, but all the lights are dim and moody. So... You'll see everyone else's face, and then you'll just see one guy covered in hair, and that's me. Okay. Yeah. Looking back, I and I definitely changed this for the film clip that we just shot. I made sure my face was a little more visible because I think I'm almost unrecognizable with all my hair over my face. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, there's no glasses. There's no morning coffee. There's no – there's a lot of no. things. Yeah. It's much later at night. So many things. very cool but yeah i know i like that there's no headstock on the guitar because that's the rule of prog metal nowadays is there cannot be a headstock on the guitar that's the rule that's right and and, you know inside a scoop we're going necklace next whoa it'll just be body pickups and just strum an open chord (laughs) (laughs) exactly you'll have your whole the whole rig will be you know set up via midi stuff MIDI will control yeah. all the chords and everything. Triggered from my laptop. Yes. So I'll just stand there doing nothing. The only world where that's okay is in prog metal. Exactly. Exactly. It's funny too because as a a wee kid when I was first listening to metal, you know, you'd, you'd see people like Yngwie Malmsteen with like a wall of marshals and be like, oh my God, you know, he's a legit guitarist because he has a million amps behind him. Yeah. And then uh, there was one metalcore band that was like outed as having fake amps behind them because the the speaker cabinets were empty on the inside and someone yeah. got like a photo from behind. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's so lame. Like how dare they fake it on stage? And now we're up there playing direct into a PA with like synth on a backing track and a click in our ears so we can give the best performance. And I'm like, of course, of course he would do this. Yeah. Yeah. I remember back in the day, people would be like, let's try to find which amp is the real amp, which one's got the light on. Like none of them, man. It's some, some rig off on the backside of the stage plugged into the PA. Like it has nothing to do. (laughs) (laughs) 
Beautiful. All right. Well, I believe we've chatted about everything then, Drew. So uh, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. No problem. Thanks, John. This was really fun. This is, I think this is the most animated interview we've had so far. You and me? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> out of the two of us, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's good to hear. Do you mind me asking? I'll keep uh, recording for a little bit. Um, yep. Do you mind me asking why? What is it about this show that electrified you? Ooh, um, we've had a lot of written interviews, which is obviously a totally different thing because there's no personality in there at all. Um, but they're fine. They're good. That It's quick and easy to get them sort of written and sent back, which is great. Um, and then we've we've probably had like one other as animated interview, mm-hmm. but to be honest, I think it's just the difference of countries of where the interviews are coming from. Mm-hmm. So Canadians and Australians are quite animated people. Mm-hmm. One in the same, almost. Almost one in the same. Two pretty incredible places to live, especially at a time like now in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas other countries, I don't, I don't know if they're, they're not quite as animated as, you know, Australians are just big, dumb idiots. We're larrikins and Canadians are just like the nice version of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. We don't have any bogans. No, no, we do have bogans. Yeah. Do Canadians, we have hosers. Yeah. Hosers. Hosers. What are they like? Is there like a stereotype? Mm-hmm. They're the ones that have the bobbly head, beady eyes. Oh, geez, you're kidding, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're the guys you drive through a neighborhood and they're in the back alley next to somebody's garage and they're all just standing there holding a beer. And every culture has this somewhere. And they're the ones that are just standing there and they're just they're holding their beer like this. And you just see their head bobbing. You don't you you don't hear anything. You just you drive by and their heads are bobbing and they usually have beer guts, which we refer to as Molson muscle because Molson Canadian is uh, a widely produced beer and then the beer gut is the right. muscle. So Molson muscle. So they've got this Molson muscle and oh jeez, yeah. That's that's not threatening at all though. Both no. in Australia can come across across quite aggressive and threatening. Oh. You don't want to go near them. Oh. Whereas a wild hosers sounds lovely. Yeah. I, I actually, <laughs> I adore hosers. Hosers are, are fun. When, whenever I'm in those areas where I see them, I'm like, Oh, you're so cute. And I just want to pinch their cheeks. You know, you ask your mom if you can take one home. Mm. She's like, Oh no, they're a wild animal. <laughs> we have to leave them here in their natural environment. Exactly. No, we can't afford season pass tickets to the hockey game. The team's going to lose anyway. Like it's going to be okay. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, I'm going to hit stop then. And thank you again for coming on. Awesome. Thanks, John. Talk soon.